Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Ross. We're talking about Romans chapter 8 today. And I'm Pastor Brian, and we've got uh, Pastor Scott Kreps on the phone. He's the one who took the lead on this sermon. So, uh, Scott, before we get into message one, by the way, this is a five-message series. You can find this at PursueGodNetwork.org in our sermon resources section. Scott, why don't you give us just a quick little overview of this whole Romans 8 series, and then we'll jump into message one and talk through how we're going to preach that. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to be with you talking about Romans 8. And so Romans 8 is one of the most, uh, probably most favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Um, If you were to look at some of the most famous chapters, most studied chapters in the Bible, Romans 8 is going to be up there. The book of Romans is considered Paul's masterpiece, and Romans 8 really gets to the heart of so much of uh, the gospel and just, I think, what people love about uh, God's message of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so the theme of Romans 8 um, is things like assurance. Uh, The Bible talks a lot in Romans 8 about assurance, how we know we can be Christian, how we know we are Christians. Um, It talks about the great promises that God has made to us and how they'll be fulfilled. It talks about the future. It talks a lot about suffering and how to think of suffering and difficulty and hardship uh, in our present lives. And it offers a lot of promises to us. And so I think that's some of the reasons why I'm real excited to teach it and to talk about it and to have our church go through it uh, because there's so much for every person wherever they are in their pursuit of God. Okay, and so this is a little bit of a verse-by-verse series, right? So the first message, we're going through what the the first 13 verses, the second message, uh, verses 14 through 17, the third message, verses 18 through 27, and then the fourth message, 28 through 30, and then finally, we'll, the last message will finish up with 31 through 39. So, uh, Scott, why don't we jump into message one, and you're titling this Quit Living Like a Dead Man. Why don't we start with just sort of walk, maybe, Ross, you can walk us through the structure of this sermon, the key points that we're preaching. And again, anyone listening to this, remember, we have slides and resources at Pursue God Network for all of this. So the purpose of this podcast is just to get you thinking about how to preach this as we talk you through this. So, Ross, why don't you just walk us through the structure, and then, Scott, we're going to break it down with you. Yeah, so the big idea of this passage we're saying is that God frees us from the sins of our past and enables us to live a life guided by His Spirit. So here's we have three ideas that, that flesh that out. Number one is God frees us from guilt. That would be verses 1 through 4. And then secondly, God's Spirit gives us a wake-up call for daily living, and we see that in verses 5 through 11. And as we go through this, you'll see what we mean by that and why we chose to, to say that. And then the third point is that God gives us the Spirit to overcome sinful habits in verses 12 and 13. Yeah, so Scott, is there anything kind of struck before we get into each of these talking points, kind of big picture you want to say about this sermon as preachers prepare to preach this one? Well, I think um, whenever you start off a series, it's always good to give a little context for the whole. So um, in this one, um, spending a few moments sort of setting up not just these 13 verses, but the whole structure of where we're going. I think, you know, encouraging people to be reading Romans 8 probably a few times, maybe weekly, um, some things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really helpful to have a sense of all the messages and where they're going to go right. uh, before you get into this first one. Uh, so as not, you don't want to accidentally preach the message of week three and week one, because there's a lot of overlap. 
uh, when you're dealing with one chapter. So it's good to, to kind of think, okay, we're dealing with this today, not um, stuff that's going to come up in future future sermons. Yeah, that's right. In fact, in, with our teaching structure at Alpine, we we uh, we joke about this a little bit that we don't want to steal somebody's thunder for next week, right? And you can mm-hmm. definitely do that if you're not careful, if you're not aware of kind of the flow of this whole series, all five messages at the same time. So that's good to remember. Okay, so let's jump into this first talking point then for message one. Uh, it's that God frees us from guilt, and we're talking about verses one through four in this, which of course starts with, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Scott, how are you going to preach this? Well, I think one thing I want is I want um, sort of the the glory and the the wonder of verse one to really land for people, mm-hmm. and um, it's such a powerful verse. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and you know we live in a time um, in in a culture in North America where people I think have feelings of guilt, especially people that come from a religious background. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be lots of feelings of guilt feelings of shame, condemnation, and th- this passage starts with, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, interestingly, he starts with the word therefore, which, mm. um, as as many Bible teachers have said, um, whenever you see therefore, you should ask, what is that therefore? Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's, he's going back, he's referencing back, and what he's referencing is, is not the verses immediately preceding chapter 8, but he's really going back to all of chapter 5 um, and 6 and, and then 7, talking about uh, the fact that we can be forgiven, justified, uh, made righteous in Christ Jesus. And so um, what I want to do is I want people to understand that there truly is no condemnation before God, mm. um, but that is qualified by those who are in Christ Jesus. So I want to spend a little time talking about what it means to be in Christ Jesus. It's an important theme throughout all of Paul's writing, uh, to be unified with Christ. And um, what Paul does then in the next few verses is he explains really what Jesus has done for us. Um, He talks about how um, all of us are under the power of sin that leads to death, and the law couldn't save us. You know, we couldn't be good enough to follow God's law to be saved. And so he sent his own son um, to die for us, to be a sacrifice for our sins. So I want people to understand that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you've uh, embraced Christ uh, by faith, then there really is no condemnation. And so uh, before God, um, yes, you, you're a sinner. We're sinners. Yes, we've done some awful things. Um, but God is not holding those against us because of what Christ has done for us. So are you, Ross or Scott, are you bringing in this first point, are you are you going to s- sort of drive this home with some personal examples of your sin? Are you going to throw someone else under the bus? How are you going to do this? <laughs> right. I mean, because yeah. you're talking about guilt, so to, to really make it visceral. Yeah. For me, okay, this raises a pastoral question about how people deal with their guilt and, mm-hmm. and what are they, how do they deal with this idea of no condemnation? What does it really mean? And so, I mean, people from a religious background still feel like I've still got to do something mm-hmm. to, to get right with God. Or, you know, sometimes I've, I've, I've been in a situation where yeah, I've blown it with God and I feel like, oh, I can't just walk back into, um, into grace. I've got to... Um, I've got to suffer enough. Mm-hmm. I've got to have enough psychic suffering. I've got right. to like beat myself up and 
and, and really, you know, because then I'm not penitent enough to mm-hmm. experience, which just takes it back to something that I do, mm-hmm. you know, rather than this idea of free, con- of free grace and free release from condemnation. So pastorally speaking, people might do a lot of different things to try to feel like they've earned that uh, pass from God somehow or another. Mm-hmm. You, you know, this, Scott, to me, this also, we, we forgot to talk about the intro and the hook. So are, are you, is, your, is your intro, Scott, sermonically, are you going to sort of set up this idea of guilt? I mean, what are you, or are you, you, you know, the, the type message title is Quit Living Like a Dead Man. So are you, are you talking about, you're going to do something about zombies? What are you going to do to set <laughs> people up and get them think in the right mind frame to think about these three points in, in Romans chapter 8? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, it's a little, it's a little more complicated um, because we have a series beginning too. Right. Um, but what I think I'll do is the, the idea of quit living like a dead man is 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 uh, a way to kind of capture Paul's point here that if you're a Christian, um, are you seeing things the right way? Are you living the right way? guided by the spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think some sort of interest and some sort of hook that would be about, um, I don't know, uh, sort of mistaken, um, uh, like, a, a, a mis- like, uh, I haven't quite worked it all out. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll confess, but, but, but maybe something along the lines of, you know, I, uh, if there was a story about someone who, I don't know, was really rich, but acted really poor for some reason, or, uh, somebody who, um, I, I, I don't know, uh, had some, some great ability that they, um, didn't, I don't know, that they didn't use for some reason. I mean, that's pretty vague, but, uh, something where there's some sort of like, oh, you should be acting or living or doing something this way, but for some reason you're doing it a different way, some sort of story okay. like that. Yeah. Where um, someone's out of character, out of character with their true identity, um, cause that's really where you're heading as we're, you'll, you'll see this as we get to the last point, that's where we're heading in the trajectory of this message is we're going from God frees us from guilt. So that's kind of the gospel. Really. We're sharing the gospel in point one in essence, and we're ending with, then that means something on a practical level in our lives for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That, I like how you said that Ross out of character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so. it's silly, but what struck me was this story I saw some years ago about, like a dog that acted like a cat. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. There you go. You know, preening itself, and I don't know. Or there might be a good viral YouTube video that you could show. You know, of a right. of a chicken yeah, barking like a dog or something <laughs> like that. Right. I'm sure there's something out there on the wonderful world of YouTube. Yeah, but, yeah. By the way, to our podcast listeners, um, Scott's manuscript will be available with the resources at Pursue God Network. So go ahead, make sure to check out. You'll get to see exactly where he landed on his hook, right, Scott? Because you'll have that yeah, in your yeah. manuscript. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, let's um, go ahead, Scott. Oh, I was just going to say, to bring it around uh, back to the point one, um, to application points, I, I agree, Ross, like um, feeling like there's something I need to do. Um, a, another sort of personal story of that is my wife. I remember years ago my wife was um, just – sort of dealing with the memory of some past sins that she had done and just really feeling guilt over it and really bothered her. And a friend sent her a letter and the opening line of the letter was, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that was just a really good reminder because mm-hmm. um, my wife was just stuck in this place where she just really, she just felt really bad about the sin that she'd committed in the past. 
And on one level, I guess it's good, but it was really eating her up. And what she needed to know is, hey, God is not, God's not constantly bringing this up to your attention again and again so that you mm. feel bad about it. Um, because there's no condemnation. God doesn't condemn you uh, because Christ has paid for your sins. That's good. So um, I think that's the other side of that application point. Scott, I think I'll use your wife as an example here too instead of mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the second point. So the first point, God frees us from guilt. We're sharing the gospel in there, verses one through four. Then as you move along in the message, Scott, you move to the second point, which is that God's spirit gives us a wake-up call for daily living. What Unpack that a little bit for us here. How are you going to preach that? Right. So the next movement of the passage is it introduces this idea, um, two ways of living. Uh, the New Living Translation calls it this living by the sinful nature or um, living by the Holy Spirit. And uh, so some older translations, other translations might say living by the flesh, living by the spirit. Um, but the idea here is who controls you or who guides you. Um, the Bible's point here is to say that naturally we are guided by our sinful nature. And so our sinful nature is that bent that we have to do things that don't please God, to, to do things that are against God's law, against God's will, to not do the right thing. You know, that's all sin. And we have this natural bent as humans to do that. And of course, we're not as bad as we could be, um, but we're, we're pretty selfish. And what the Bible is saying here is that when you accept Christ as your Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and the Holy Spirit um, now is your guide and leads you. And so it talks about who dominates you, who, who mm -hmm. controls you. Um, those, verse 5, those dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And so... One way we've decided to take this is in the sense of um, the Spirit giving you a wake-up call for daily living. And, and what we mean is, you know, if you evaluate, you look at your life, you look at your behavior, your actions, talking to Christians, you know, who, who's, who's controlling you? Who's leading you? Are you being led by that sinful nature? Are you being led by the Spirit? You know, if you're doing lots of things that are, quite frankly, against God, that's being led by the sinful nature. Mm -hmm. um, but the Bible says that the follower of Jesus needs to be led by the Spirit. And so it's a, it's a way for us to sort of probe that. Okay, so for those people who know about the, the Pursue God circle, how we define a follower of Jesus, this is, this is then, you know, uh, the second arrow, right? That we, number one, we, we start by trusting Jesus, really, which we can get to in the first point. But now we're saying that then as followers of Jesus, we live to honor God. So for me, when I preach this, I might even actually, you know, put up that slide and, ex, you know, again, just quickly reference the circle and say, we're talking about this right here. And so that brings up a question for Ross or for Scott. When, this second point is squarely talking to the Christian, right? So mm -hmm. how do you preach that for people who are new to this? How do you preach that without losing the seeker in the audience? Or do you worry about that? Well, I think one thing you can do is it does paint a picture of the life that could be, mm -hmm. you know, a life of freedom mm -hmm. rather than of death. And so it does, it does show kind of the trajectory of what happens to a person who's born again, who's, who's come to tr put their trust in Jesus. So it can be a positive picture of that. 
Yeah, I think I think a lot of this passage is speaking to the Christian, and that's okay. The previous point really becomes a really strong gospel point. I mean, all these points mm-hmm. do too, but right. so it's okay to to turn our attention a little bit more squarely to the Christian. Um, but yeah, like you said, Ross, that this is painting a picture of what could be. Um, it's sort of exposing, you know, um, as humans, what's our motivation. Mm-hmm maybe we give lip service and say, oh, yeah, no, I, I like God. I, I try to do what God wants. Mm-hmm. Well, is that really true? You know, yeah, if you're not a Christian, are, are you really doing that? You know? Yeah, and part of it, I think, too, for a person coming out of a religious background, it's really getting—this is the this is the correct, the true gospel. It's not just you're forgiven, no condemnation, so then you just live however you want. It's you're forgiven into a new life. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we hear that this truncated gospel— in our in our culture today that it's just oh i'm forgiven and sometimes we're caricatured as that that's what people think the gospel is mm-hmm. outsiders or non-christians might say hey are you just saying that you're forgiven then you just do whatever you mm-hmm. want well this gives a the right uh, perspective on that yeah and i think what i'm going to do here as i preach this i'm i like in this whole series i think i'm going to really be focusing on on the passage itself right so i think i'll spend some time Again, I we won't have a ton of time on this, but spend some time looking at these words in the passage, right? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, right? And so really kind of appealing to people to say, does that sound fun to you to be dominated right. by your addiction, mm-hmm. to be dominated by pornography? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it, it is an appeal to both to the Christian and to the seeker to say, you, you know, there's, there's this new kind of life that you can live, right? That where, where you, the sinful nature doesn't control your mind because that leads to death in verse six, right? But but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I think this is this is such a great this whole this whole chapter is such a great one just to really have people open their Bibles or their Bible apps and just look at the, look at what it says here in verse six. Look at what it says here in verse seven. Which which life would you rather have? You know, we kind of joke about your best life now, right? But really, that's. You, you can have this better life, right? This is what Paul's getting at. You should have this better life, right? Yeah. And just one thing, homiletically, as, you, as we prep this out, it's, we want to be careful not to let the points bleed into each other too mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And so as we started to talk about, Brian, th- this idea about um, this great life that you can have, you, know, you want to be careful not to uh, preach point three in point two, right, and, and because we're going to get there, we're going to end on that on that note. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because point two again is, again for you, Scott, as you work this out, is point two is really about a wake up call, right? So, do you want to say something mm-hmm. more about the language you use there? Yeah, I I think for me, what I want to do is I, I want people to walk away, eval- or walk away from this point at this mm-hmm. point in the sermon, consider. Um, you know, how am I living, especially if you're a Christian, am I living according to the sinful nature or am I living according to the spirit? So in terms of a wake-up call, yeah. you know, self-evaluation, right. some introspection, um, really, wh- what am I doing? How am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll all need more time for that after the sermon and mm-hmm. in small groups with a mentor and just alone before God. But right. to begin to do that work um, at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because then you move to the last point, which is, okay, so we first point, God frees us from guilt. Second point, God's Spirit is gives us a wake-up call for those of us who are Christians. And then you end on this really hopeful note, right? That God's, it's not just a wake-up call, like, so I feel terrible, right? And I feel guilty, because really, verse one is, there's no condemnation. So I think if we ended at the second point, people might think, 
uh, you know, I've had this wake up call and I feel horrible now. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so I think then you really, that might be even a good way to transition into the last point is that God's God gives us his spirit to overcome, not just to open our eyes. I think that's mm-hmm. important that the Holy spirit shines light on our sin. But number two on a real hopeful note, God gives us his spirit to overcome our sinful habits. So uh, expand on that a little bit, Scott. Yeah. Um, so most Bible translations, they'll put a break between verses 11 and 12, and we've decided to take it all the way through verse 13, um, because I think it really wraps up everything that we've been talking about. And that's that um, Paul says, you know, we are people who live um, according to the Spirit. Um, we don't, we're not obligated, he says. We're not debtors mm-hmm. to the sinful nature. Um, in fact, if you live by the sinful nature, you will die. And death there doesn't mean physical death, um, or it doesn't just mean that. It means spiritual death, too. Uh, But then he says if you, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And what where we're really focusing our energy there is to say that God commands us, really, um, to to once we see the sin in our lives to battle it and to fight it and to deal with it uh, but this isn't a battle and a fight on our on our own it's it's uh, spirit empowered spirit driven mm. um and that because you have the holy spirit in your life you really have the opportunity to overcome and experience victory and experience deliverance uh and experience you know a different kind of life not dominated by these sinful tendencies and sinful nature and so for the, the for the christian who says i do have um i am living according to the sinful nature i am i do have some of these things in my life some of these habits there's hope uh, because god's spirit is in you and he is guiding you and if you listen to him and follow him um, you can begin to have some some victory here and so you have so that's what I wanted to get into, Scott, too, is the idea, what's the emotional tone of this passage? Because mm. it'd be easy to, for certain personalities to preach this in a kind of a condemnatory manner. Mm. But, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like that's the emotional tone of the, uh, that Paul is writing. He is mm-hmm. challenging, but he does have this tone of hope. Mm. Yeah, I, so I think that um, if we really take the, all this, this whole passage seriously, it's a bit challenging. Because on the one hand, he starts off by saying, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's done everything. You're led by the Spirit. It's all God. But then in verse 13, he Mm -hmm. says, but if you don't deal with your sin, you're going to die. So it's a little alarming at first. I mean, and I I don't want to undercut the power of that. And two, I think we mentioned earlier to the the person who might say, oh, Christianity is cheap grace you know (laughs) that it's just i believe i can just believe in jesus and i can do whatever i want i mean this really undercuts that because it basically says if you if you just give into your sin and your sinful nature you really should call into question your your faith in jesus Mm. um now i don't know if i'm going to quite say that uh (laughs) on the stage in the moment um because i do want it to be more hopeful i want it to uh i'm hoping that it is a a path forward for people that um, you can have, uh, you can have, you have hope, uh, you can have um, help, you can have victory. Uh, and generally, when I talk about that, I talk about victory over sin coming through reading the Word of God, mm. you know, getting God's Word in your heart, in your mind, day in, day out, 
sort of letting God's word um, guide you instead of the other junk that's guiding you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit, the, the second part is then the Holy Spirit, you know, following leading the Holy Spirit when he's warning you or um, speaking to you, you know, listen to him. And, and then the third part of that is Christian community and having mm-hmm. uh, godly people in your life to work through these things with so you're so, not on your own so scott is that how you're you're going to end this on a kind of a quick little list of practical spiritual disciplines that you can start implementing in your life is that is that how you're landing this plane you probably yeah yeah that's that's generally how i, I like to talk about things mm-hmm. um because it's pretty practical and it's it's broad enough that it can touch everyone um wherever you're at. So there's, I, I, I could, yeah, I mean, I could go a lot more into that and I won't have time, but you know, just, just to put some teeth to mm-hmm. what does it mean to fight the sin with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. And I'll add to that, that churches that have, you know, good small groups set up and, you know, mentors that you can connect people to, that might be another great thing is to say, Hey, if you want to get connected to a group or a mentor to really help you to live out this, you know, this message, you know, this passage, uh, that might be a, another great opportunity Again, I think about one of the guys I mentor that had some serious sin issues in his life, and he finally one one day just said to me, "Just tell me what I'm supposed to do," because we, you know, we were doing all these, we were studying doctrine and how to think right about it, and how to, you know, we, which was all good stuff. But he kind of got to the point where he's like, "What am I? What? Okay, now I hang up the phone. What am I supposed to do? Right? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do to overcome sinful habits? Right? I just." Do I just, you know, open myself up to the Holy Spirit and now I just kind of float along in life and I don't have any problems anymore? And I don't think that's what Paul says in any of his letters. You know, there's this participation with God on a practical level. And uh, I think that's really what you're what you're getting at, Scott, is you're going to land with just a quick little list of a few Mm -hmm. things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's really why having a mentor, uh, having people in your life is important because obviously the real practical level, it's going to depend on what we're talking about. You know, what is, the, what is the sin issue in fact? And, you know, what are some actual practical steps to take? And uh, without getting into legalism, I mean, that's really only something that you can really do one-on-one uh, to, to figure out. Okay. So, so the message title is quit living like a dead man. Point one, God frees us from guilt. Point two, God's spirit gives us a wake up call for daily living. And point three, God gives us the spirit to overcome sinful habits. So, Guys, any other kind of last words to preachers who are getting ready to preach this sermon? I think uh, I think just spend a lot of time, um, you know, it, it, thinking through these things yourself, and uh, as always, and, and and make sure it connects to you before you try to connect it for other people. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very hope filled, even though it's talking about some tough stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's very hope filled, very forward looking uh, for people. It's good. Yeah, that's that's a really good point to really apply it, just like any sermon, apply it to yourself before Mm -hmm. you try to preach it to someone else. 